Good morning, Upper Room. How y'all doing? I, um, we're working on our house right now, doing some renos on the main floor, so it was kind of a, it's been kind of a wreck for a little while, so we uh, did what uh, uh, all sane-minded people would do, we, we moved in uh, with my parents. Um, and, uh, and that's worked out really well so far, and one of the things Jen said to me when we were there was she said, um, does that sound weird to you, that mic? Yeah? Um, oh, that's really bugging me. If I keep talking, any better? Battery? Yeah? No? Okay. Uh, she said, you really like being home, don't you? Like, you have kind of feel, because Rexdale, where my parents live, I grew up there. I spent the first 18 years of my life there. And um, when we were there, I took my kids down to the ravine where we used to hang out and skip rocks and played in the river. You know, I'm surprised I don't have like a third limb or something from uh, uh, being in there. But anyways, um, there was just something about the familiar home. I went to high school across the street, and there's something about being home or what, what feels like home for you that does something for your own soul. I have that same feeling uh, when I go to Kingston, the place where I uh, did my undergraduate degree. It feels like home. It was only four years, but it felt like an eternity of my life, and I love going back there with Jen and showing all the spots that we used to hang out. I did do a bit of studying in some of the buildings, but mostly just show her kind of the rest of the city. Um, there's something about that feels home. Something about, we were just away this weekend, something about being in my own bed that just makes it feel like when I walk through the doors of my home. Now, each of us has those places maybe different for you. Just take two seconds maybe or a few minutes and talk to the person next to you and say, okay, what's, what's home for me? It, it, may, it may be the place where you grew up. It may be just a certain spot in your house. It may be a restaurant or a place that's really familiar to you. Just take a couple seconds and say, where, where's that place where I feel home? Okay, whatever conversations you didn't get to finish, you can continue them at the 30-minute party. That's why we have it. That's my little plug for that. Now, I guess home is different for each of us, but I would say to you it's, it's more than just nostalgia. It's more than just familiarity. There's something, I think, deep within us, I know it, deep within myself that longs to be home. And when I say that, I mean something that longs to be at peace. Something in me that longs to find that place or that space where I am totally comfortable with who I am. I know who I am. I know where I belong. And I feel like, ah, nothing can change now. I've arrived. I'm not, I'm not obsessing about the past. I'm not, you know, um, uncomfortable in the present. I'm not worrying about the future. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. You know what I'm talking about? We have those little glimpses of it in those places that are familiar to us, that bring up good memories, but it's something deeper. It's not just nostalgia, familiarity, or a little bit of pleasure in the midst of a busy world. It's a longing for home, and I believe every one of us has it within us, and we're looking for it. And yet, even as I say that to you, you know the longing for home somehow eludes us. It's not a feeling that we actually are an experience that we feel like we can grasp and hang on to. In a sense, it moves on. It slips through our fingers. It's something we are constantly, in a sense, looking for, if I were to describe it that way. Maybe you've never thought about it in those terms, but the longing for home, to, to be at, 
at, at peace, to feel like nothing needs to change now. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. I know who I am. Others know me. I'm completely comfortable. It's a longing that's deeper within us, and yet it escapes us. Why, if we were made, in a sense, with a longing for home, is it so hard to get? Why, is it, why does it seem to elude us? Partly, I think, because we're skeptical. We don't actually believe it's possible to be home. Yes, nostalgia, but that sort of, we have to move on. Yes, familiarity, but nothing's constant but change. Yes, a little bit of moment of pleasure, but we can't all have the weekends forever. So we think, well, there's no such thing as that longing for home. We just deny the fact that it's actually a real deep longing within us. And perhaps even more so, we are so fiercely independent. In a sense, we, each of us is looking for home by ourselves. We're all carving out our own way. We're, we, we, we as a culture are, are rugged individualists. We are looking for that reality. In fact, we, and so we go into um, even marriage, some of us saying, okay, I'm looking for that place of home, you know, not literally just the home, but that place where I can feel comfortable, but I'm looking for me to feel that. Who's the right person for me? What's the best suited person for me? What's the best place for me to be? We go into it in a job looking for how's this job going to suit me, but we kind of know, well, I might get fired or I might move on or something better might come along. And so this rugged individualism sort of surrounds us as we move around from place to place looking for home. And therefore, home eludes us because we're skeptical that it even exists and we're so independent that we hold our cards close to the chest. We're reluctant to find and settle down, in a sense, in a home. Now, where that leaves us as a culture, and tell me if this doesn't describe not only our culture, but even each of our lives in a little way, we are loosely affiliated with many things, deeply connected to very little. Doesn't that feel like our lives sometimes? Loosely affiliated with many things, deeply connected to little. We, we have friend circles on Facebook. They know, they know the bits of our lives that we post, that we Instagram or whatever, but they don't know the deepest parts of our lives. We have circles of friends who we would say, yeah, they know the details of our lives, but how many really know what's going on? How many would I really tell everything that's going on? We have, we volunteer here and there. We participate in this. We play in sports leagues. And the, the pace of our culture with technology has has afforded us and accelerated means that we are so busy, therefore we move from place to place, day to day, week to week, loosely affiliated with many things, deeply connected to very few. And the truth is that has affected every part of our lives. It affects even the relationships closest to home. Sometimes we feel as if the people within our own family, our parents or our children or our spouse, we, we have an affinity with, we, maybe we share some common, you know, with our spouse, we might share some uh, interests that we have in common, and if we have kids, well, we have a joint project in the kids, but are we deeply connected with one another? It's hard because we are skeptical that home even exists, and we are so independent. We have held our cards to the chest, and we've become a culture loosely affiliated with so many things deeply connected to so few. And the truth is we have carried that into our relationship with God as well. And we have treated in many respects, and, and we just kind of came by it honestly, maybe depending on the church or religious tradition or whatever that we grew up in, or maybe even if you didn't grow up in any kind of religious tradition, we treat the church as that place, something we might be loosely affiliated with. Now, we may come every week, but we come and we treat it as a place where we are there for a little while and we move on. And how many people really know what's going on in our hearts? How willing are we really to say, maybe this could be 
home. Because we are independent and we are skeptical. We are loosely affiliated with so many things, deeply connected to so few, and it even affects our relationship with the church. How interesting to know that the story of Scripture actually diagnoses this for our lives. Now, there are some of you who are sort of figuring out this faith journey thing, and you're not really sure whether Jesus is who he said he is, or you're not sure, you know, well, whether you believe all that the Bible says. But here's what I would say to you. Of all the worldviews that you could adopt, whether it's atheism or any other religious background that you had or Christianity, which one most explains life to you? And the Scriptures actually tell us the story that we were born home. That when God created Adam and Eve, he created this place that was home for them. It was not just a place for them to live, but it was a place where they felt at perfect peace with him, at perfect peace with one another. They had jobs to do in a beautiful creation that they enjoyed, and they had everything their physical bodies could want. Isn't that home? Ah, nothing needs to change. It's perfection. We've arrived. It was home. The story tells us that we wandered away from home. We left. We pushed God away and wandered away from home, and God sent Jesus, his son, to leave home to go find us and bring us back. This is the story of redemption. We were home. We left it. God made us to be home. That's why we can't. There's a longing in our hearts. Some of us don't even realize that we've left. Some of us do. We just don't know how to get back. And the story of redemption is Jesus said, God said to Jesus, my son, leave home, go find them, bring them back, because they were meant to be here. They are wandering all over the place, longing and looking for home. I've made it for them. Bring them home. And so every one of us who is following Jesus, in a sense, is on the long journey home. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be the church, that we are the gathering of people that have come together and are on the long journey home. And so scripture tells us that the church is that place where we finally find home. Not the building, you know, the, the church, through its history, went through this very sad transition where the New Testament uses the word the ecclesia, the ecclesia, or the gathering. That's what the church was. It was called the gathering of people. But somehow over the, over the years and through history, the word ecclesia got replaced in some of the translations with the word kirk, the German word, K-I-R-C-H-E, which sounds like church, which means locale or geography or place. That somehow the people became the place. And in that transition, we somehow lost the perspective that we are a gathering of people that has come together on the long journey home with Christ. And instead, church has become this place that we show up. But that's not at all what the scriptures tell us the church is. And you've heard me say this before, that we are a gathering of people. We are a family. We've been brought home, in a sense, into the household of God. But I want, I want to give you something this morning that is even deeper than the fact that we are a community or a family. Because based on some of the communities you've been in, or based on some of the families you're in, you would say, well, yeah, I'm loosely affiliated with my family, but not deeply connected to them. Hey, that's the reality for many of us. Or I have these communities, or maybe even in churches that I've been in the past, yes, I'm loosely affiliated with them, and I'm not deeply connected with them. But the church, the scriptures doesn't just leave us with family or community. It gives us one more picture that is so powerful. It probably expresses why that longing for home is in every one of our hearts. The, the, the scriptures tell us that we, the church, are the body of Christ. As in, we are a part of a body. Together. And that 
that we have this longing, in a sense, to be connected to Christ and to connect to one another. Not just in a relational sense, like a family, not just in a sort of an efficiency, kind of communist sense, like a, like a community, but in an intrinsic, um, organic sense that something within us longs to be connected in, like a body is connected to one another, into Christ, which is the head. That's what the scriptures tell us. It explains so much of our lives that we were meant to be a body together. How does this radically change the way we view what the church is? Is that each of us is a part brought together. And so here's the thing. Trying to understand your life, right? Isn't that what we're all trying to do? Who, who am I? Where am I going? This longing for home. Trying to find myself and find that place of home. Trying to do that apart from the body which you were made to be connected to will be an exercise in frustration and futility. Because if we were meant to be a part of a body, we cannot understand ourselves in a sense apart from it. And yet we're all trying to do that because we're so independent and we're so skeptical that it really exists. And I thought for a moment, what would it be like to consider ourselves in a sense body parts apart from the body? And so I penned something that, okay, I've, I've never shared any of my poetry with you. So Brace yourself. This is called My Life as a Thumb. When I publish it, I'm going to call it just sigh, okay? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Why am I not strong and tall? These horizontal wrinkles make me look fat. And my cuticle, really, what's the point of that? All I can do is bend or stand straight. I can't see or taste. Well, that would be great. God, why did you make me so boring and ugly? I'm stubby and can't even rhyme with ugly. Something is missing, you know what I mean? Somehow I feel like there's more to me. I have big dreams, but I'm just a little guy. And I think to myself, what's wrong? Who am I? Yes. Don't hold your breath. Some of you are like, don't quit your day job. This is my day job, okay? <laughs> How ridiculous is that? Not, not just the poem. The, the idea... The idea, in a sense, right? We laugh. It's absurd for a thumb to be looking at itself in the mirror saying, who am I? I feel like I'm missing something. How exciting for the thumb to know that it will be used, you know, opposably, opposite the index finger to put a contact in, to throw a baseball, and of course to play video games. How exciting for that thumb to realize, oh, this is what I was made to be. And yet so many of us, are trying to figure out our lives, standing in front of the mirror, as it were, saying, who am I? What am I supposed to be? I can't understand, God, why you've made me this way and not that way. Because the scriptures tell us, because we were meant to be a part of a body, interconnected organically, that we find ourselves and understand ourselves ultimately as part of that body. And I didn't just make up this idea. The Apostle Paul, in writing, to one of the churches that he planted in the first century. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, says it this way. Just follow along on the screen or you can look in your phones or Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what he says. Verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Okay, so he's using the analogy here. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. In other words, when you became baptized, you joined the body. 
whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, doesn't matter who you are, your socioeconomic standing, your ethnicity, whatever, your family background, we were all brought into one body and we were given the same, the one spirit to drink. In other words, we've been united by the Holy Spirit. Now, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. I'm not like that guy. I'm not like that girl. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body just because it thinks it's not like another part. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, like the thumb, the big toe. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of him. The Apostle Paul is addressing, right, this thing that naturally comes up in the human person that says, that, that wants to compare, that wants to know I'm significant. Do I matter? Do I care? It's all part of that longing for home. Do I belong? And he's addressing the fact that when we come into community, any community you like, whether it's your workplace or your family or church or whatever, we compare. We want to know, why well, I don't look like that or I don't act like that or I wish I was like that. Or sometimes we fight and we say, oh, fine, if you don't want to be here, I can live without you. And Paul's saying, no, you can't. The body can't do that. The body can't compare and one part wish it was a different part. The body can't, can't reject one another and say, oh, we can live without you. He said, you know your own body wouldn't function that way. So why do you think that you would function that way? He says, each of you is unique. And the body, what? Expresses unity and diversity at the same time. Each part, totally unique. Even two of your thumbs are not the same. Or the prints, the fingerprints that you have. The left side or right side of your body. Each part is different, even though some of it's symmetrical. Each is totally unique, has a totally different function. And yet, is completely integrated. And not mechanically connected organically connected, fluid, completely connected through the blood and the tendons and the bones. So much so that when the human body's working like it's supposed to be, in a sense, it's effortless. The brain is sending stuff happening right now in your body that you're not consciously thinking about, but it's doing it. Why? Because it's completely united. And your brain and your eyes are working and it's making them blink and all of the parts fit together. And Paul says, that's your identity. That's who you are as the church. A body connected together. But think about this for a moment. How would your body survive if the body parts acted like many of us do in church? So some parts of your body just sleep in. Oh, I'm not going to be there this morning. Your foot's like asleep. You can't even walk because the part of your body's asleep. They're like, ah, they don't need me. I'll just sleep in this morning. I had a late night. 
Your body wouldn't function well if half your body was asleep. Or your body decided to play baseball, but only half wanted to play. Ah, we're not really interested in that. So the left side of your body's trying to play, the rest of the body's like, nah, I'm going over here. We don't care. We know the rest of the, you know, the body decided this, but well, I'm not that interested in it. How would the body work if you did that? How would the body work if some parts were constantly clamoring for the attention of the other parts? Hey, hey, come on, pay attention to me. If some parts thought all the rest of the body is for me, if your right leg thought that all of the body existed for it, it would be constantly drawing all of its attention to your body. The body couldn't function. Or if some parts of the body said, well, I don't care what's going on in other parts of the body. Okay, my right leg's hurt, so what? Rest of us will move on. How, how well would that go? Or some parts wanted everyone to care for it so that when it was injured, the entire body was brought to a state of uh, paralysis. The entire body, we know even physically when that starts to happen, what? Something's wrong in the body. If something's hurt, the body needs to care for it, but nurse it back to health, not live forever favoring that one part of the body. If certain parts of the body are hurt, some of it needs to care, the rest needs to continue to move on. If the body's decided to do something, the whole body needs to be into it, otherwise it won't work. Each part has to say, hey, this body needs me. I gotta show up. I gotta be present. I gotta be involved because we can't function as the body functions. That's what actually the church is meant to be. Your body parts are not loosely affiliated with one of each other, but not deeply connected. How would your body work if your parts were loosely affiliated with one another, but not deeply connected? And yet, let's be honest, many of us, we can't help it, maybe because of the religious traditions we grew up in or whatever, we can't help but see the church that way. It's something I can float in and float out of. I can sort of dance on the edges of, but it doesn't really need me. And therefore, we live in that feeling of isolation. Now, I recognize some of you might say, well, that's, wow, like, that's a pretty high, lofty way to view the church. Like, I just showed, this is my first day. <laughs> Maybe you come back to church and you, you haven't been in a long time, and you're trying to figure that out. And you know what? I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. We want this church to be a place where people, wherever they are in the long journey home, can come. And so I understand that not every one of you is ready to see the church like that. But I'm just telling you, that's how the scriptures see it. That's how we were made. It's a clue to why you have a longing for home inside you. And it's not that your whole life then becomes Sunday mornings of the church. It's just that when we recognize that this is who God has made us to be, everything else begins to make sense. Everything else begins to get put in its rightful place. And we, I begin to see my work differently, whatever it is that I do for most days of the week. I begin to see my relationships differently. I begin to see my money differently. I begin to see everything about myself differently when I am now in the body because now I'm home. And when I'm home, it all makes sense. And I get it. So that is who we were made to be. But I recognize some of you are not ready for that. And some of you are just here visiting. And I just want you to know if you can come every Sunday and say, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And that's okay. We want this place to be a place where people are saying, I'm not there yet. But there are others of you that have been here and maybe dancing around the edges and you need to know, hey, the scripture tells us you won't feel home until you understand, hey, this is how God has made me to be. I'm a part of this body.
And so there are some who are ready to say, yes, I want to acknowledge that. I want to live like that reality. I want to, in a sense, come home if this is who God has made me to be. And so we have this thing in the church called membership. Some of you may think, well, hey, I come here regularly. Isn't that, doesn't that make me a member? Why do we have this thing called membership? Partly because, let me, let me use an analogy from, that maybe most of us would understand. When you go to a wedding, or I do uh, premarital counseling with couples, preparing them for, for marriage, what I'm partly trying to assess when I meet with them is, are they ready for this? You don't fall in love the day you get married. Hope not. You don't all of a sudden decide, well, I'm going to start serving and committing and loving this person now that we're married. You get married because that is the reality growing in your life. You have already fallen in love. And hopefully, part of what I'm trying to assess too in that premarital uh, time is that, hey, does this couple really understand what marriage is? That it means that we're serving and loving and caring for one another. That we're laying our life down for the other person. If that's not a reality before the wedding day, it's not going to suddenly happen on the wedding day. But what is the wedding day? It's a public commitment and affirmation to say, we are in love. And we understand that we've been brought together to make the other person better. That we are better together than we ever would be apart. And so marriage is that day that you say, yes, I want this for the rest of my life. Marriage is the day that you say, yes, I'm ready to make this a reality for the rest of my life. Whatever we have figured out now, we're going to do it together and neither of us is going to leave. That's what marriage is. In a sense, that's what membership is. And there are processes in this. There are some of you that are hanging out, okay, like you do when you're first maybe getting to know someone of the opposite sex. You're kind of hanging out. And you're not committed yet. You're just kind of hanging out. And that's appropriate. And so you don't necessarily, that's when you're like, oh, I just talked to them yesterday. Should I text them back today? Or wait, and your friend's like, no, no, wait two days. And, you know, that whole, because you're just hanging out. It's nothing's official. You know, we don't, you know, we don't know. It's, no one said anything. Well, then you move from, like, hanging out into, into dating. Now, what's dating? Well, dating, you're starting to get a little more intentional about the relationship. You're, you're only seeing each other, and you kind of know you're an item or whatever. You might introduce them as your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. Because now you're a little more okay. Now, now you expect that you're going to begin to see each other regularly. And, and you're kind of become a regular part of each other's lives in an increasing way. And then at a certain point, you'll say, we're going to commit. You go from hanging out to dating to committing. That's the whole engagement in marriage and the rest of your life process where you say, okay, you and no others. That's what they say in the marriage ceremony, for, forsaking all others. So that process of hanging out, dating, and now committing. Uh, there are people in this church across the spectrum. But in a sense, whether you're even hanging out or dating, we're all what? Trying to move towards, trying to figure out, hey, am I coming home here? Is this the long journey home? And when you get to that point that you commit, you say, yep, I'm in. And you're willing to stand up, do it publicly, and say these ridiculous vows, right, that are so lofty and high. Why? You're saying, I don't know. Like, I want to keep this. I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring this out, and I'm not going anywhere. That's what membership facilitates in our church. So there, you may be hanging out. You may be dating, but there's some of you that say yes. And we have about 80 members in this church, people that have said yes. Hold me accountable to this. You know, there may come a day where I have to leave this church or I move away or I get transferred or whatever it is. But until that day, I'm not going to just hang out and maybe or maybe come. I'm not just going to date and, and I might still have sort of a backup plan if suddenly the church goes in a direction I don't like or I don't like the pastor or I don't like so-and-so or someone offended me, I'm going to leave because you can do that when you're dating. But when you commit, the members say, I'm in. 
you can, and they'll say it publicly in a sense. We have our members listed publicly to say, I'm in. Those of you that are members, in case you didn't know, that's what you said. I will persevere with this community. Why? Because I recognize that I'm a what? A member, a body part. It's not club membership. Verse 27 here in some of the translations says, each of you is a member of it. You are a body part. And the member says, yes, I'm not a club card member that I can get out of or cancel or change because that's how every other part of our lives works. So I can always get out of this. Any commitment we go into, we think, well, what's my out clause? Membership says, no, no, I'm an interconnected, organic part of this body. Count me in. I'm not going to dismember myself. If something goes away, I don't like it. Or if I'm upset or something changes in my life. That's what membership is. And so that's what it facil facilitates that process. So what does that mean for you? As you think about this spectrum, if it's really true that God has made us to be a part of a body like this, and that each of us and wherever we are is on the long journey home to find that place, what is that next step for you? A quote from Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, came to my mind when he says this, now with God's help, I shall become myself. Right? Isn't that the description of the long journey home? God is helping me become more and more of who I was meant to be. And so I'm going to want to encourage you, hey, take a step closer to home. For some of you that are hanging out, you're hanging out. Just keep hanging out. Keep checking it out. Feel free to come to this place and sort of evaluate, hey, what do, how do I feel about this? Is this a good place for me to be? Is this safe? for me? Do I kind of trust these people? That's kind of what you're doing in the hanging out phase, right? You're just checking out. Do I trust them? Do I trust really? Who, who's this person that I'm hanging out with, hanging out with other people, right? You want to know the person you might date. You want to know what their friends are like. So you're kind of checking out this community. That's okay. You're hanging out. If you're there, keep coming. The only way to figure it out is to keep hanging out. Some of you are dating. And you know, I've had friends where they, they were dating for like years. And I'm like, dude, what are you waiting for? What are you trying to figure out? You know as much as you're ever going to know. You're never going to know everything. Marriage says I'll spend the rest of my life finding the rest out. So what are you waiting for? Pull the trigger. Man up. <laughs> Some of us are in that place with the church. You've been dating a long time. What are you waiting for? You're a body part. And what is the transition in dating to couples who are really ready to be married? They're saying, you know what, I'm going to learn to love. Now, it's not just about me, right, and dating. I'm enjoying it. I'm love. I love how this person makes me feel. I love everything about it. As, as you shift into real love, it's now, wh why has God brought me into their life? What does he want me to do for them? How can I serve them? How can I care for them? How can I bring the best out of them? That's the transition that some of us need to make in the church and say, okay, I'm glad I like this church. I'm glad you're here and whatever. But how can I make this transition begin to love this body that I, I'm starting to believe I'm a part of? And two ways we have in this church is to get into a home group and start serving. Both of those places are things for you to receive and also to give. To receive the love that's in this relationship, but to begin to give. And our home groups start up again in the fall, and you can do that. And find there's so many different ways to help out in this church. Being in a home group of serving is not propping up the church. It's a part of you falling in love and making that transition from dating to committing. And for some of you that have been in that place and you're ready to commit, here's what I'd say. Be, get baptized. Become a member. 
We have baptism classes coming up this August. It's in the bulletin. You can contact Pastor Tony. If you've been like, yeah, okay, you know what? I'm here, like, and I don't want to go anywhere. I think I want to do this. I think I want to get married, in a sense. Get baptized. Become a member. For some of you that have made that membership commitment, in a few minutes we're going to invite new members that, are, that, are, that we're inviting into this church, and they're going to read some vows. And, and when I've done a few weddings, I, I learned it from my dad who did this. If you're sitting there and you're giving vows to a couple, you always tell the people who are married in the congregation, hey, pay attention, this is what you said yes to. So for those of you that are members today, pay attention, this is what you said yes to. This is what it means to fully commit yourself to this place, to give yourself to it, and to receive from it, and to be interconnected as part of the body. In a couple moments, we're going to do that. I'm going to invite them up. So if you're in that place, you need to renew, make a fresh commitment daily to the church. You know you got to fight for unity. Your body has to stay connected, has to commit to care for each other, has to commit to work together. Otherwise, the body won't work. And the 80 of you that have become members, you, this body thrives and lives and, and fulfills all that it was meant to be. When you as members, each of you say, this place needs me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to dismember myself. I'm not going to disconnect myself. What will happen in your life, wherever you are in that spectrum, whether you're hanging out, dating, committed, recommitting, or renewing, what will happen in your life as you make that a part of the body? Yourself. It brings you a little bit closer to home. You start to understand. That's all I can say. The reason I'm a Christian, you know, is because I have really experienced the love of God and it started to change my life. I can never walk away. Now, I have doubts. I have questions. I have things that, you know, I'm not totally sure about, but I know that it has changed my life. As you take a step closer to home, things will start to make more sense. And this place, this body, as each person in it commits more, will become a place of transformation and healing in this city. And so we're going to invite up, I want to invite up the people that, are, um, that we're invite, uh, welcoming into membership this morning, if you guys would come on down. All of them, but one couple is here today, so we put their picture on the screen for you. Steve and Karen Ertl, Katie Flute, Tony and Brigitte Perron, and Alma Prendi. I'd like to invite them up. Just come stand here, guys. Now, this is kind of new, this membership ceremony that we're doing. We haven't really done it before, so those of you that are members already before, you're lucky. You, uh, it's happened already. But I want to remind you, as, as, they read, as I read them vows today, and they're going to respond to those vows, that these are the same vows that you have committed to. And they're... Everyone in this church, even if this is your first day, you should love the fact that there are people becoming members today. You know why? I remember when I first started at Craft, the joke was, hey, you'll get to know everybody in the company at all the going away parties. Because everyone was quitting all the time. It was just, it was an industry that had, was marketing, had so much turnover. And it, just something about it that goes, what, I'm just joining this company and I'm meeting all these people who I like who are leaving? Like, didn't you just interview me a month ago and now you're going away? And you go to a family, maybe you're dating someone and the first time maybe they invite you over to their family. You're hoping, you, you want to see the family kind of connected and loving each other. Like if, if that family really cares for each other and they have fun, but they have genuine love, well, you may still, hey, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting married. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I'm just checking out. But that should make you feel really good about the family that you might be getting into. You want them to be tight and loving and welcoming. So if, even if this is your first day in here, you should love the fact that there are people saying, I'm in. I'm committing to this church. And if you're already a member, you're like, yes, I'm not alone in this commitment. And so while you're standing, I'll give you the benediction for today. I just want to bless you with strength for the journey.
every story or movie that you've read or seen, any significant journey you've made in your life know it's not short. It's long, it's treacherous, it's precarious. And at every point in that journey, we need strength for what's next. So whatever it is that God has put on your heart, if you said, yes, Jesus, move me a little closer to home, I want to bless you with the strength to persevere. Did you receive that? Amen. You can be seated for a moment. I'm going to invite Tony to give us the announcements today.